Hello, and welcome to the M&A Stories podcast. I'm Robert Heaton, and I'm joined by my co-host, Toby Tester. These 10-minute podcasts are focused exclusively on post-M&A integration. And in each episode, we will talk through case studies and draw on our own experiences with the intention of highlighting the good, bad, and the ugly to leave you with valuable lessons on how best to ensure success in your M&A integration. So let's get this podcast underway. Hi, Toby. How are you doing? Great, Robert. Fabulous. Perfect. I thought it was uh, time for our weekly chat on uh, mergers and acquisitions and uh, some of the stories that we've both got to tell uh, from our vast careers. I certainly think it is. It's time. Uh, I, I thought I'd actually talk about a deal uh, that I got involved in where due diligence was the main reason why the deal actually went. Uh, but at the same time, it was actually a very successful deal strategically. Okay. Um, and uh, it, it clearly demonstrated how poor due diligence could actually cause some significant damage. Um, uh, and so I, th- I thought we might talk through that today. Okay, well, that sounds like an interesting message um, about poor due diligence causing significant postal challenges. Good one. So tell me something, uh, Robert. Look, just briefly, what was the, what was the deal about? What was the uh, purpose? It was a it was a technology industry deal. It was a Singaporean uh, technology leader that realised that cyber security was one of the weaknesses in their portfolio. And the, uh, the regional vice president uh, had two choices. One, he could grow that capability from scratch, uh, but instead he decided to make an acquisition and, and buy the expertise. And so they, they acquired another cybersecurity business. It was a $30 million deal. Um, and as I said earlier, it, it caused some significant challenges in terms of uh, the deal itself. But in the long okay. term, it was strategically successful. Okay. Well, that sounds interesting. I mean, you know, from your perspective and cast your mind back, what do you think were the sort of immediate challenges as you saw it? Very obvious one, and I'm reflecting backwards as opposed to recognising at the time. But one thing you and I have often talked about is deal fever was evident. Uh, You know, it was a bright and shiny thing. It was going to be the, the answer to all their prayers, and they were just overly eager to get this thing done so that was one of the first issues that we recognized and then the due diligence itself was done by the u.s head office and it was broadly just done from behind a desk so from behind a desk remotely yeah interesting in in that sense there was no physical visits to the cyber security business there was they didn't take a look at even the legal stuff was done quite lightly Mm. you almost came away with a view that uh you know the the core things that you would normally do in due diligence just weren't done it was simply let's get this deal done it's financially right for us go for it right so a bit of deal fever um pretty light on uh, due diligence and no eyeballing no now that was oh, okay. that was amazing. That was the first time that anybody actually went to physically meet with these people. Okay. Um, was was when the deal was signed. Wow. Okay, that's interesting. Now, was there any other sort of immediate challenges other than due diligence? 
yeah, one thing that came out right from the beginning was some cultural differences between the, the two sales strategies. So the, the acquiring company had what you might call a, an acquire and nurture strategy to its customer base. So they were keen on building uh, good professional relationships with their customers. They were keen on nurturing those relationships okay. and growing long-term revenue. Right. The company that was being acquired, the cybersecurity business, had what I have often called a kill and run attitude. It was get out there and get the business at all cost. Right. Um, and, and they would just polarize different strategies in the way that both companies went to market. Interesting. So quite different sales strategies, culture, and I should imagine compensation as well. Very much so. And in fact, uh, well, well, yeah, compensation, but of course it wasn't just the compensation in terms of the way the salespeople were paid, but it also extended into the way that the leadership team of this company were remunerated. Okay. Well, I must admit, Robert, that sounds like an amazing uh, deal. I mean, um, you know, the challenges of uh, due diligence, and then, of course, you... You know, there's an element of deal fever. And of course, you had fundamental different sort of sales strategies, culture and compensation. So yep. there you are. This came across the line and obviously over to your self-leading this. How did you go about it? Well, we were about to get stuck into the deal. And one of the very first things that threw its head up was that there was 12 high-value contracts that came to our attention where the the conditions in those contracts were very unfavorable. And it turned out that the salespeople, in order to get a deal done, had Mm. written in terms and conditions to the contract that were very favorable to the customer and very unfavorable to the provider. So that hit the fan straight away. Um, Right, the proverbial hit the fan, in other words. Okay. Yeah, and it it almost... (laughs) You know, it, it, it almost brought the thing to a standstill at the beginning because those 12 customers actually represented 70% of the total revenue. Wow, of, 70% of the, of the yeah. revenue. Wow. Yeah. wow. And, and, you know, to cap it off in terms of the sort of, oh my God, why didn't you do this? Yeah. We went back to the warranties for yeah. this particular deal and there was no provision in the warranty for this sort of situation. All right. Interesting. So again, that points down to sort of like the limited legal due diligence that occurred that right up front. Yeah. It, it, and it goes right back to that deal fee. Yeah. Of, you yeah, know, just okay. get it done, get it done. Right. You know, well, anyway, these well, are certainly challenges, but you plowed through it. And so look, tell me what was the net result? I mean, when you, when you reflect back on it. The net result was still positive. What I'll come back to is the core reason for the acquisition. Yeah. And that was that this company was going to be at a disadvantage in the marketplace if they didn't have cybersecurity as part right. of their portfolio. Okay. And they, they had correctly identified at least $50 million of cross-sell and upsell opportunity right. uh, over a, a seven to 10 year period. Right. Um, so, so strategically, it was still a very successful deal. Okay, so if I could summarize, maybe it sounds like short-term value loss, long-term value gained. Would that be a good way of putting it? It it, it was. That short-term value loss, however, had the 
potential to stop the whole thing dead in its tracks. Because again, I'll <laughs> go back to the fact that it was representing 70% of the revenue. And of course, one of the questions that was obviously raised was, well, hang on a second, have we paid too much for this because of these inherent problems with, with the top customers? Mm. But all, all of that was sort of pushed aside. There's a couple of things that we did. First of all, certain executives in the business were uh, given the authority to go out and negotiate with those 12 customers face-to-face to try and negotiate those contracts. Right. And they were given very clear guidelines as to what they could and couldn't negotiate. And the goal, obviously, was to try and get all 12 customers to turn around and say, oh, yes, well, thanks very much for coming to see me. We'll renegotiate. That, mm. that actually didn't eventuate. In reality, what we got was, I think we got five of the seven across the line okay. over time, okay. which wasn't too bad. But of course, the competition was circling, wanting <laughs> to uh, take those customers' offers. I'm sure there were. So when you reflect on this, you know, what was, do you think, you know, there's obviously the cultural aspect. What do you think was the sort of the most obvious sort of cultural challenge you saw? The, the biggest cultural challenge was the, the way that the two major sales strategies and the way that the leadership team of the acquired company were remunerated, those factors uh, were disruptive and dangerous to the overall deal. And, and it, it became a question of, well, how, how on earth can we integrate these two very different sales strategies? Mm. Now, the, the answer is not easy, but at the same time, it, it, it can be. One of the first decisions taken initially was to remove all of their leadership team and then transfer their sales team over to the Singaporean sales team okay. um, and change their compensation plan because, as you know, salespeople are... are um, uh, coin operated you know yeah. they don't work unless you put money in them yeah. um, and uh, so we, we said okay if we move those across to the other team so that they come under the Singaporean team leadership and they're compensated accordingly that will change their behavior and it did okay all right um, but what I will say is we were about to put that into effect and by the way this comes back to your comment uh, that you often raise about buried treasure. There was a particular market segment they wanted to break into that they'd not been really successful with, and it needed a fairly aggressive approach to break this new market open. And okay. they said, well, what, you know, these guys have got an aggressive approach. That's the way they've been doing things. Mm. Let's utilise at least part of that to help us break into this new marketplace. So okay. what happened in reality was probably a quarter of the existing sales team was retained under one of their senior leaders right. with a specific focus of targeting that new market. And the other three quarters of the team moved over to join the existing sales team and their leadership were let go. Ah, uh, okay, right. all right. But the key, the key in this is that the compensation model was the lever that changed behaviour. Ah, uh, okay. 
Now, Robert, now we've been talking a little while now. I'd, I'd like to maybe just summarize for the audience. You know, if you were just to say just a few key lessons, maybe just three, what do you think those headline lessons would be that you want to leave people with from this particular acquisition? In this particular case, the short-term damage was overridden by the fact that in the long term, this was still the right strategic deal for this business. And they went on to get long-term benefit from it. So if you right. say, was it a failure or successful? In this scenario, it was successful. In the long term. <clears throat> in the long term. The, the three lessons, I think, from this are, first of all, due diligence is crucial if you've got any intention of maximizing post-deal value. Right. And I think whilst legal and financial due diligence is important, I don't think we can forget that operational due diligence, people due diligence and cultural due diligence are equally key to unlocking value and reducing risk. And you must include those in your due diligence process. Right, okay. All right, so and it must include operational people and cultural due diligence as part of the uh, value unlocking exercise. I'm, I'm still amazed sometimes today at how many people ignore the cultural issues in a deal. Yeah, that's very true. Um, and the third thing I think I'll say is that what was evident in this and any deal that you and I have been involved in yeah. is attention to detail during due diligence and then well-planned post-deal planning they're not optional extras they need to be key aspects that are leading the value creation process and right. they're also key aspects that minimize risk deal fever has the ability to um, shortcut some of those things and of course as we've just spoken in the last 10 minutes that doesn't pay off when you shortcut due diligence. Right, okay, so the lessons are very much around due diligence. Well, it sounds fascinating. Here we've had a situation that you've um, you know, got deep experience in where due diligence wasn't that great. You did have a lot of drama, obviously in the short term, but ultimately long term, there's a good story from this. Yeah, and, and I, su I suppose in closing as well, the other thing that comes back to my, and this is just, coming to my head as we've been talking, yeah. and that is that whenever you make an acquisition, it's really important to have that clarity of vision of why you're doing this yeah, and so what, true. You, so what true. you expect to have as an outcome. I'm sure like with all the deals you've worked on, the ones I have, you know, understanding the purpose, deal purpose, like answering the why, why are you doing this? It's so important. Yeah. We often get yeah. focused so much on the what and the how, but seldom do we give full attention to the why. Um, so true. Yeah, I, and I'm, I might just close with that, actually. I know it's not the uh, core focus of this particular uh, conversation, but I always encourage the, the people I work with to think about the old-fashioned jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. When you got your jigsaw puzzle, it came in a box with a picture on the front of it. Right. And inside the box were hundreds or a thousand pieces individually that had to be put together. And I often use that as a, an analogy to, to M&A. What right. you need to do as an acquiring leadership team 
is paint that picture that's on the front of the jigsaw puzzle yes. box. Yes. So that that's a really good see. analogy. I like that. Yeah, because yeah. Then the thing is that you've then got all of those individual pieces that need to fit together in the right sequence for yeah. that picture to materialize. It's interesting because if you don't know what that final picture looks like, putting that jigsaw together is going to be a very, very haphazard exercise. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. But hopefully to people that are listening, you know, that ability to have a clear vision as to why you're making this acquisition yes. and what you expect to get out the other end of it is crucial. It is. So important. Very Still, good indeed. We, That's a great way to end up on things, Robert, because I think the notion of purpose is all important. Yeah, absolutely. So an, another good conversation, Toby. As always, yeah, I enjoy you. talking through these things with you. And right. um, another let's, great do story. It again next, let's do it again next week. Absolutely. Good to talk to you, Robert. Likewise, Toby. Bye for now. Bye.